Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the number one podcast in banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, founder and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. WeBank is the first digital bank in China and considered by many to be the most progressive digital bank in the world, launched in 2014. WeBank provides financial services to over 300 million individuals and 2 million small businesses, leveraging just 3,000 employees, of which three quarters are in technology and engineering. Recently, WeBank has expanded the use of blockchain as one of the key technologies to improve efficiency of digital banking and to promote equity and sustainable development. WeBank has also expanded beyond financial services to assist other industries in the development of blockchain capabilities. We are joined again by Henry Ma, Executive Vice President and CEO of WeBank, who I met back in January of 2020 when I was visiting Shenzhen. Ma discusses WeBank's mission of delivering financial services at scale by leveraging AI, blockchain, cloud computing, and big data. So welcome back to the show, Henry. As the largest digital bank in China, WeBank continues to be considered the most progressive financial institution in the world, leveraging advanced technologies to deliver banking services to over 300 million consumers. Can you tell our audience who may not be familiar with WeBank a little bit about your company and what makes it different from any other bank in China or globally? All right, thank you, Jim, uh, for inviting me to uh, join your po- podcast again. Uh, I think the last time I came on to your pro- podcast it was like two years ago. Um, just, so as a, as a way to introduce ourselves, WeBank is uh, established at the end of uh, 2014 uh, in China. So we are serving the, the China market. Uh, we are uh, basically... Uh, our vision is really trying to uh, promote financial inclusion through digital banking. So, uh, as you mentioned, uh, we are um, able to achieve uh, quite a, a bit of success with our uh, kind of like innovating business model. And as of today, we are already serving more than 300 million customers, individual customers in China, um, very much focusing on a low ticket size uh, financial services. Uh, and serving the, uh, the the very much the the the, the tail end part of the market, and uh, and I think we try to do that by uh, keep uh, leveraging leading edge technologies. So technology is really like the the, the core DNA of uh, of WeBank, and we offer non stop services to our customer base seven by twenty four, and and, and this is. Um, proven to be a, a pretty robust and sus- sustainable model, at least in our market. And we think it's uh, also highly replicable to, to other markets in the world as well. Well, you know, since our last interview, the marketplace has been tremendously impacted by the pandemic and an increasingly fragile economy. How has this impacted WeBank's focus on innovation and the investment in technologies? Yeah, well... I very much agree with you. The, the, the pandemic and also a lot of the geopolitical tension has actually created a lot of challenges for the economy worldwide. And um, I think the, the China market, uh, our home market, is no exception. Um, however, as I mentioned um, uh, in, in the introduction, being a fully digital banking operation from day one, 
um, our focus on technology advancement to drive innovation and also our commitment to invest in uh, technology has not changed despite the, uh, the shift of the, uh, the, the macro environment. And our fundamental belief is technology is really the, the core engine for continuous development. And not just in good times, but also in bad times as well. And this is probably the, uh, the only one certainty that remains at a time when we face so many uncertainties in this world, right? And um, in terms of our strategy, um, this has been quite effective um, as we are able to see very robust growth uh, in our business, uh, even in these very tough times of the market. And while at the same time, we are also being able to manage our risk pretty well. And despite the very challenging market situation out there, um, a few numbers to highlight, um, uh, especially around the technology development uh, that, that we have gone through. Uh, for example, the cost of operation, uh, we were able to drive down the per account uh, operating, the technology operating cost to less than 2.2 RMB per year. So, which is essentially around like uh, less than 40 cents US per wow. account per year, substantially lower uh, than what other like major banks uh, are, uh, are bearing uh, in, their, in their technology costs. And also in terms of the robustness of our business, we, I mentioned the fact that we operate 7 by 24 nonstop, right? And the availability number that we were able to achieve over the over the past year is already like ninety nine point nine 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 percent, right? And this is the kind of availability for telco, right? So financial yeah. services, I mean, we are probably among the first to be able to achieve that level of uh, of, of, of service availability. And um, also during the time of pandemic, we actually have spent, invest a lot of um, um, technology infrastructure to uh, really enable our staff to be able to work from remote. So we have uh, built up what we call, uh, and it's also being widely adopted in the industry, the virtual desktop interface. So even at the time uh, of lockdown, all the all the staff that we bank able to dial in from remote from, from their home and be able to um, work as normal. That's also the, the reason why we are able to achieve a very high level of, of agility. During the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the lockdown period, uh, in especially around uh, early 2020, we were able to come up with new products in a very short period of time. Uh, and and uh, one very outstanding example is from product initiation to uh, production, it took us only 10 days. That's faster, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> that's faster than it was when I visited in the beginning of 2020, which I think it was 14 days back then. So exactly, exactly, exactly. We, we broke our record again. And, 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 and this actually happened at the time of uh, the, the peak of the pandemic in China in 2020. And, and we have a, a citywide lockdown at that time. And everybody is just dialing in from remote and, and then build the, uh, the new applications, test it out, and then roll it out onto production. And it took us less than 10 days. And it's really like very important because uh, it's, uh, the, the product that we are talking about is really like offering um, kind of like an emergency liquidity to a lot of the small businesses. So this is like coming right in time to really uh, meet a certain need of the market uh, at a time of difficulty. So, so that's why like um, 
continuous investment in technology, I think is really one of the, the key reasons we are able to prove the, the digital banking model is robust enough and, and be able to sustain. Well, well it's interesting because you talk about all the, the economics, the, the, the more efficiency and higher efficiency in the innovation model. But if I'm not mistaken, your financials also performed extraordinarily well last year, despite all the challenges that your consumers and small businesses had, you you actually recorded some very po- promising and very positive numbers on a financial basis, as well as won many awards for your region. How's that possible given all the headwinds? Okay, so Jim, you, has been, <laughs> pay, you have been paying very close attention to uh, our, our development. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, like if you look at the uh, the annual report for 2021, we we are performing uh, reasonably well. And uh, in fact, if you look at the uh, the number of the customers that we serve, uh, as of the end of uh, 2021, we are already ser- we are already serving close to uh, 321 million customers, individual customers, and and that represents an increase of 49 million customers from the year before, right? So uh, even though we are going through very tough times, we are able to add to our customer base a uh, very uh, like substantial number of new customers. And if you look at the structures of, the, uh, of, the, of, our, new, of our customer base, uh, a major portion of them are small business owners. And in fact, like the, this particular customer segment that we are focusing on are actually the ones who get, the, the, get got stretched the most during economic downturns, right. and also the ones who uh, actually requires uh, liquidity uh, to really get through the tough times. So uh, our digital only available anytime, uh, available anywhere kind of service model actually comes in very handy for this uh, particular customer segment. Um, when they're in need of banking services, they're, they're only a few clicks away. Right, uh, as opposed to like the, the the traditional model, and in old days, right, uh, they have to go to uh, the, the bank outlet, uh, fill in a lot of forms, and uh, wait for uh, the, the underwriting decision from the bank. Uh, if they're lucky, they they'll get a reply in a few days. If not, they probably have to wait for like a, a few weeks or even months. Right, so. Um, <laughs> That's why, like, uh, being responsive to, to uh, our customers' needs is very important. And I, I think that's uh, one of the major reasons why we are able to attract a lot of uh, new customers uh, during the time of difficulties. And, and again, I mean, the, the application of leading-edge technologies is really the key to make this happen, to enable this kind of model to, to become a reality. Um, you, you really don't have to. Uh, you really don't uh, forget the the segment that we serve actually involve uh, very high volume transactions. While at the same time, they're mostly um, small ticket value, right? Um, and if you look at the some of the numbers at our annual report, you, you you can realize that each of the customers actually contribute. Uh, less than around maybe around 20 RMB of profit to us in 2021. This is very different from what other uh, traditional bank uh, shows in their, in, in their P&L. And um, if we are running a, our bank in a very traditional way, I mean, even the procurement cost of technologies 
can easily eat up all these uh, profits, and the bank can hardly break even, right? Right. So, um, and in our case, we have already, as I mentioned, we are, we are able to drive down the cost of technology uh, substantially to around um, 2.2 RMB per account per year. And this is really a major contributor uh, t- for making our digital banking model robust and sustainable. Right. So I, I think technology in this particular case really like is really the key and enabling factor here. So it's interesting, you know, when we first interviewed, we interviewed you, we discussed how WeBank really drives business development and really reaches out to the underserved and the unserved consumer using AI, blockchain, cloud computing, and big data. But most recently, you've really made a lot of headway in the blockchain area. In fact, how has blockchain technology changed WeBank to date? Can you share some examples of how maybe it's created efficiency, but also how it's enhanced WeBank's business model? Yeah, you mentioned about AI, blockchain, cloud computing, and big data, right? And uh, this is what we term the, uh, the a, so-called ABCD technology yep. of uh, fintech. So uh, ABCD remains to be our core focus of technology investment. Uh, in fact, on one hand, we put in a lot of R&D resources in the underlying technologies, but at the same time, uh, we also look for areas where these kind of technologies can be applied uh, in the various business areas and, and, and also uh, being able to enable a lot of uh, new business model. And even in, in some of the cases, um, those technologies are, are, are being applied outside of uh, the, the financial sector. So I'll give you a few examples, especially you mentioned uh, about like blockchain, right? Which is really one of our, our core focuses. Uh, but I'll also touch on, um, for example, like AI. Mm-hmm. Um, we back actually developed uh, what we call the, the, the FATE framework. Uh, the, 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 the full name is Federated uh, Artificial Intelligence Technology Enabler. Uh, in fact, this is the world's first industrial grade uh, federated learning framework. And uh, in 2021, we also uh, led the efforts to formulate the very first uh, inter- international standard for federated learning. Uh, federated learning is very example because it's very important because uh, in, in our model, uh, it, it's very much a data-driven model. And as you probably know, like uh, the use of data is, is becoming more and more uh, highly regulated um, you know, in different markets. And how to, you, how, how to be able to how, uh, comply to the uh, different data regulation, but at the same time being able to um, encourage more data collaboration. I, I think uh, FATE in this particular case will play a very important role. And, and, and we actually invested a lot of effort in, in that. And in blockchain, um, I'm uh, probably like uh, I've mentioned before, like in, in some of the previous interview sessions, that uh, we actually initiated the the WeBank uh, uh, the blockchain effort in very early on in around 2015, and in fact in 2017 we released uh, what we call the the Fisco Becos uh, blockchain platform, and Fisco Becos is now becoming the the largest. Uh, cons- consortium chain community in China. Um, we actually have been able to recruit more than 70,000 developers, individual developers, and more than uh, 3,000 companies and other like uh, organizations joining the community. 
and see like hundreds of uh, uh, pretty good like successful applications of uh, uh, in, in different industry uh, based on the blockchain platform that we offer that we open source. And uh, and also in April this year, we also launched uh, a, a new brand uh, called uh, WeBank Blockchain, and very much focused on supporting ESG initiatives. And I can probably talk a, a bit more later on about like how we are thinking about like leveraging blockchain to support ESG. Um, and a few example around cloud, uh, we actually deploy a lot of ARM-based servers uh, in our financial cloud. Uh, and we are probably, the, uh, if not the first, but definitely among the first uh, batch of uh, financial institutions to really run an ARM-based server in production environment. And the, 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 the benefit of running ARM is, on one hand, is uh, definitely more cost savings, right? mm-hmm. lower cost, but at the same time, it's more energy efficient. So... Um, to be more environmental friendly, uh, and a lot of people talking about like green computing, and I think we are you know, one of definitely one of the pioneer there, and uh, and we are able to substantially uh, save on energy costs by migrating over to a lot of these these uh, ARM based servers, and around big data, um, we open source a lot of our big data processing capabilities. And um, I, I, and I think one point worth mentioning is uh, in 2021 we actually contributed two projects to uh, Apache Incubator, and um, and and the reason why is worth mentioning because uh, the, there are only totally five new entrants to this incubator platform, and we contributed two projects to it. So uh, as you can see, like we are. <clears throat> Really, like making like huge effort to to contribute to the open source community um, around all these ABCD uh, technologies, and overall, I, I think we're making pretty good progress in these different areas. You mentioned it when we visited uh, two years ago, but but you mentioned just again that what you're doing in the blockchain area really is not just around the bank. You you build mm. an or- open source consortium of of blockchain community where you're deploying the technology across many industries. Um, so when you're doing that, how does that work towards the overall mission of WeBank? How does that all contribute to the broader mission that you're trying to serve in the community and to to the, the company itself? Okay, yeah, that's actually a, a big question, right? Because on one hand, like uh, we believe blockchain technology is uh, contributing a very, very important, very core component. Uh, for the financial industry, because um, we bank ourselves actually benefit from a lot of like applications uh, based on blockchain. Um, uh, a few examples, like for example, like uh, we work with a lot of partners. I mean, our banking model actually is not um, totally relying on ourselves, but we work with a lot of banking industry partners and also partners from other industries. And in order to work with them, like. Um, if you do it a very traditional way, there will be a lot of file exchange, right? At day end, you run your batch jobs and then you send your files over to your partners for them to do the, the clearing and, uh, and settlement and reconciliation, right? Uh, but we build a shared ledger on, on blockchain so that like we and our partners will be able to um, work on this particular uh, golden copy of the ledger together, right? With the without like uh, flying files over to each other. And um, 
and, and this is actually um, increasing you know, efficiency to uh, to a great extent, and and also transparency with your partners as well. So um, I mean, by working in this way, you encourage trans transparency and be able to you know really like um, attract a lot of partners to to uh, come on board. Uh, we also work with uh, uh, partners in the judicial sector, right? Um, because the, the the business model model that we that, that we uh, rely on, I mean, we don't have paper documents. Everything is electronic. Everything is digital. So we work with judicial partners so that, like, whenever a transactions happen, we recorded the digital evidence onto a, a blockchain platform, what we call the uh, arbitration chain. So when when there is a dispute coming out from our uh, customer, we actually uh, our judicial partners like uh, arbitration committee will be able to uh, extract digital evidence from the blockchain and be able to handle the the dispute resolution in a very efficient manner as well. And by doing by by running this kind of applications, we are able to reduce substantially the uh, the, the the dispute resolution cycle from what it used to be like uh, a few months to down to seven days. Again, I mean, as we are running like a uh, huge volume of small ticket size transactions, the, these kind of capabilities represent huge savings for us as well and, and, and enable us to be, a, be, a, be able to serve the broader market. So this is uh, some good examples of, on how we apply blockchain to to um, you know, to help our own business, but it's more than that. Uh, I mean, when we when we actually decided to go open source in uh, two thousand seventeen, um, in fact, like you basically take away the boundaries if you go open source, right? And the technology you build can actually go to a lot of places beyond your own expectation, right? And uh, in, in fact, in, uh, during the pandemic. Um, we are able to see very innovative applications uh, riding on blockchain, the, the blockchain platform that we have built uh, to enable uh, uh, the, the development of a lot of very innovative applications. Uh, some of them include, like, for example, uh, we work with the, the Macau and Guangdong government to build a health code uh, mutual recognition platform uh, to enable travelers to go across the border uh, without like uh, uh, handling a lot of payroll documents and mm -hmm. also uh, not requiring the two health authorities to exchange data directly. Right? Um, so travelers will be able to submit some of their the, the, the health-related uh, data uh, through the platform um, by themselves uh, instead of relying on the health authority to transmit the data. So on one hand, privacy be, is being uh, is being preserved. And at the same time, the receiving authority will be able to validate the uh, the validity, the authenticity of the of the of the health data submitted by the travelers. So this is also like uh, making sure that like all the requiring information uh, has been submitted and received properly. So, um, you know, and enabling the flow of data cross border, uh, while at the same time being able to comply to a lot of the, the data privacy laws, especially uh, across different jurisdictions. I mean, blockchain actually play a very very important role there, and we are able to, you know, really like um, make good use of the technology itself to enable uh, cross border travel. Uh, 
no, at least like between Macau and the mainland China. And and based on the success of that, we actually extend the uh, the application uh, to other areas. For example, like uh, we talk about the Greater Bay Area to encourage business activities um, among Hong Kong, Macau, and Guangdong area, and. You just you have people like traveling around or uh, doing business in the in the GBA area. Um, used to be the case that you have to like uh, bring along a lot of paper documents, mm-hmm. right? And we really try to like uh, extend the uh, the the application beyond health code. Uh, for example, your your uh, some of your property document, your your. Uh, uh, bank account uh, information, you'll be, you'll be able to transmit across border the very, in a very similar way. So uh, we have built a cross-border data verification platform um, in a very similar uh, kind of setup uh, for, the, for the Greater Bay Area. And, and I think um, we are seeing some very initial success and hopefully down the road we'll be able to enable more and more uh, cross-border, cross-border data applications uh, based on the uh, this kind of infrastructure. With the WeBank blockchain brand, you also have really moved forward quite a bit on uh, ESG, uh, environmental, sustainable, and government governance initiatives to help the organization beyond uh, typical banking. Um, where are you looking at from the standpoint of using the blockchain and extending the mission beyond what the bank's doing as overall? So the whole idea of sustainability and things of this nature. I mean, what's the business case for that? Yeah, I, I think like um, on one hand, like when we initiated our blockchain effort in uh, 2015, our, our, our initial target was to improve the efficiency of uh, financial services. Right. Uh, when I talk about the example around like uh, uh, share ledger doing like uh, 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 reconciliation with our partners and also like the, the example around arbitration, it's really about like how we can enhance the efficiency of our own operation and really drive down the cost. But after we open source the blockchain technologies, we realized the value of the technologies that we built really extend far beyond financial services. As you can see from some of the examples that I quoted earlier, for example, the the health code uh, mutual recognition, the data verification uh, platform cross-border. And... um, that's, that's really like the, the reason why uh, when we uh, kind of relaunch the the WeBank blockchain, um, the, the the branding uh, earlier this year, and we really want to position it as, as one of the core infrastructure to support like ESG initi- initiatives. Yeah. So, um, example around like cross border data um, validation and also like uh, some of our partners uh, riding on blockchain to build like environmental related applications um, for example a, a partner of ours actually built a platform uh, based on fiscal because to register green behavior of their users and and they really try to uh, incentivize low carbon lifestyle by offering reward program based on the positive behaviors of their of the of their users right if they drive less uh, if they take public transport they will be able to accumulate the so-called carbon points and these carbon points 
can actually translate it into values uh, for them to like exchange for for gifts or or even like uh, get a discount for their insurance policy, for example. Right. So this is a a really good way to to. Um, promote um, all these like ESG related activities, and um, and really like if you look at ESG, it entails um, multi party participation, right? And and the trust among participants are really the, the one of the most important or even the most critical constituents for success. And and blockchain. Um, I mean, if you like, uh, a lot of people actually recognize blockchain as the so-called trust machine, right? So we see that as um, undeniably the, the the perfect matched matching technology to support ESG. So uh, we just feel like someone need to get started on this, and and um, as um, as a responsible, socially responsible organization. Uh, we think that like um, we really should get this growing, uh, and 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 you know get the, at least get the ball rolling um, uh, to to begin with, and then that's why we uh, when we relaunched the uh, the our blockchain initiative uh, earlier this year, we uh, very definitely we want to focus uh, to support uh, ESG um, as one of the the, the prime, primary objective. And if you like, a lot of people may ask, "Hey, um, how does it has to do with your uh, your business itself, right? Because we are still a commercial organization, right? right. Um, so uh, how how are you going to uh, uh, generate output uh, or get return out of your your investment? Um, we really believe that, like uh, down the road, like." Um, Participation on ESG and also like um, fulfilling of our social responsibilities really uh, going to be more and more important. Um, and but at the same time, uh, we also anticipate um, business op- opportunities in the longer in the longer term. Um, and for example, like by building up the the ledger for registering like carbon footprints, as I mentioned earlier in our right. example. Um, we think we are also in a very good position to offer um, uh, services, financial services like clearing and settlement services for exchange of carbon points when the corresponding business needs come up. Right. So, if the capability that we have built up is ready and we are being uh, being presented with the the right opportunity, and I, I think we are very in a very good position to take it up. Right. So that's why, like, even though we may not be able to see um, commercial returns in in the short term, in the immediate term, we're still very much positive on the uh, on the longer term perspectives of yeah. these investments. So let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsors of this podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. Welcome back. I'm joined today by Henry Ma, Executive Vice President and CIO of WeBank. We've been discussing innovation and digital transformation efforts at WeBank and the impact of the blockchain 
has on financial services. You know, Henry, when we first met and we were interviewed for the Banking Transform podcast, you mentioned the desire to white label some of your financial capabilities and functionalities outside of China. I know we've talked about blockchain, but has there been any progress on the white labeling efforts? Well, uh, Jim, as, as we actually adopted the open source strategy, and, and we, it's not just around blockchain, but other like uh, the, the so-called ABCD capabilities that we have built up, um, I think this is not really a matter of yes or no, right? Uh, I mean, it's only about like when and how. Yeah. So as a, as, as a matter of fact, according to uh, some of the numbers that we gather uh, in, from our communities, there are already hundreds of applications built on top of the uh, ABCD uh, technologies that we have open source, right? I, we talk about uh, the fiscal because uh, consortium blockchain technologies. We talk about uh, FATE, uh, F-A-T-E, the, the, the federated learning AI framework. Um, there are lots of applications around that. And, and quite interesting, some of those applications, I mean, even though like we built uh, a lot of uh, our, our own applications, financial applications uh, on top of, of this platform, we also see a lot of those technologies uh, being adopted in other industry as well. So um, by our partners and also by developers in the various communities and the numbers keep increasing. So, and it's really um, astonishing sometimes when we look at those numbers. And uh, even though like uh, most of those applications are happening in uh, mainland China, but we also see a few examples uh, outside of China as well. So uh, I think short answer to your questions, um, yes, um, there are definitely a lot of like uh, applications uh, based on the technologies that, that we have developed. Um, and, and, and it's not just we bank. Um, benefiting from those uh, technologies. And we are uh, also pretty sure that there will be even more to highlight down the road. And um, so we, we are really like um, looking forward to see more and more of those uh, successful use cases um, leveraging the, the, the capabilities that we open source. So you mentioned earlier in our discussion today how how quickly you can take innovations from ideation to implementation. What is your process for vetting innovations at the bank? And how do you decide which ones will remain internal to WeBank and which ones you might be white labeling out to the marketplace? Right. Um, in fact, um, when I talk about agility, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have our... Um, uh, a very strong development capabilities uh, at the bank. So I probably share with you before, uh, over 50% of our workforce are in the engineering space. So we built uh, our own applications instead of like, uh, you know, buying off the shelves. And this really enables us to be able to move fast um, especially like um, uh, when I talk about the fact that uh, we can go from ideation to production within 10 days, right? So yep. uh, requirement capturing, development and testing, I mean, if it all happen like in, in a closed circle, I, I think it can be very efficient, right? Instead of relying on some of the uh, you know, external vendors. So, um, uh, and because of the fact that we have this very strong development capabilities, uh, we are encouraging um, our own people to really productize some of those uh, techno technological capabilities 
Um, and 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 in fact, like we we have a, a, a very strong open source culture within WeBank, and um, and and um, some of the teams. Like uh, even though the, the the key mandate is to really uh, support our own business, um, they are also being encouraged to to um, you know actually like uh, contribute to the open source community. Um, so so far we have already uh, open source more than thirty projects uh, worldwide. In fact, and, and 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 a lot of them like is really like because of the fact that. Um, our developers, they just feel like um, some of the the uh, the, the output uh, they, that they generated is not going to be just benefit benefiting WeBank, but uh, the the overall industry as well. Uh, so, um, and really, uh, I mean, the the, the the culture of WeBank, we really encourage our people to to contribute source code and really be. Um, um, able to best make best use of the source code that they have uh, developed as well. So I, I think that um, actually contribute a lot to the reason why we are able to um, build up a lot of these capabilities and and those capabilities uh, capabilities are widely adopted in, in not just by ourselves but other partners and even like other industries. So Henry. What do you see as the future of embedded banking and maybe banking as a service? Well, I think overall, like what we have done at WeBank, um, we want um, banking to be like everywhere, right? uh, to be embedded into different contexts as well. Because this is more natural for the, the, our customer experience as well. And, and, and when people talk about like... Um, you know, moving down the world, uh, there will be uh, new development in, in areas like metaverse. Um, I mean, the this is all about experience, right? So, uh, if you can actually be um, a, the, the the customers themselves, if they are uh, actually making purchases in the in the virtual world, we also want banking services to be uh, to be ready in those um, use cases. And um, that's why, like, um, contextual banking and uh, embedded banking services, I, I think is inevitable. And, uh, and definitely, uh, uh, digital banks like ourselves will be very much focused on really enable um, uh, embedded banking in order to provide better uh, customer experience for our users and our, and our customer base. So when you look to the future, what challenges do you see down the road that banking as a whole or, or for WeBank overall, um, what challenges do you see in the near term and the longer term as far as how we serve the consumer and small businesses in the marketplace with financial services? I think for the financial industry, like banking included, I, I think we really need to understand the um, the, the the new type of uh, customer experience that our that our user, our customer will expect, because that's the most important at the end of the day. Right? I, the, I mentioned earlier about like uh, um, metaphors and or, or like um, right. uh, the, the the so-called like. Uh, kind of embedded experience. Um, I think that this is really the trend that we have to understand. And, and 
And like I mentioned earlier, I think I think these kind of capabilities we have to build early on, and so that like when opportunities come up, uh, we'll be able to uh, in a position to take them. Right. So um, I, I think a lot of like. Um, Banking industry uh, and and also like uh, in even in other financial industries, um, if you want to equip yourself to be ready for the future, you really need to understand better um, these kind of trends and and also uh, invest early on to early on to to really like beef up the capabilities that you have uh, to get ready for these like uh, uh, the the new shift in. Uh, in the market uh, and, and, and be able to grab the op- opportunities available. And, and finally, Henry, you know, one thing that I've really admired about WeBank as I've been following them and, and you personally is really the challenger mindset that you have, that that it's never good enough. You can't rest on your laurels. And we talk about it quite a bit in the podcast. We talk about it in other things I present about how important it is to continually challenge yourself to improve how do you do that at WeBank? How is it culture? Is it overall just looking at continually improving what's going on? But it it's not natural for many organizations. How do you continue to have that challenger mindset to disrupt your own organization to make it better? Yeah, I, I think it's very important to build up the right culture uh, from the very beginning. And uh, and and the culture itself um, and, and a very important uh, part of that culture is really the the um, the idea about ownership. Right, um, you really need to um, really like let your employees, let your, your your team understand that they are really like the owner um, of, of the um, of the business, one of the owners of the business, and and they um, and once they have this sense of ownership, they 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 you know. This is becoming the drive, the core drive for them to improve, right? And so the the approach that we have taken, um, uh, I, I think, is um, quite different from a lot of traditional organizations, especially like for financial organizations, when um, decisions are mostly top down. But in our case, we really encourage a lot of uh, bottom up decision making. And uh, and also like uh, encourage a lot of uh, uh, innovations coming from our from our team and 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 of course um, along the way we also have to um, uh, allow rooms for errors right and and uh, the the the, the fail fast uh, kind of like uh, mentality is also important um, but uh, let let our own staff try out new things and. And let them fail uh, if they. But but we have to make sure that they they fail fast and fail at, with low cost. So that's why like um, building up the the right architecture, the right technical architecture to support that is also very important. And that's why like uh, when we when we design the overall architecture, we want to make sure that like um, it's scalable on one hand, but at the same time it, it, it's. It, uh, it, it actually, the, 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 the cost structure is low enough for uh, our, our staff to be able to try out new things. And, and even if it fails, I mean, the, the, the loss is, is, uh, is acceptable for us. 
um, and and hopefully among some of the the their attempts, we'll get some successes, right? And 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 really, that's that's the kind of culture that we encourage. And I think this is uh, what's missing in a lot of uh, traditional uh, organizations. Henry, thank you so much again. I know it's it's always a challenge sometimes getting our schedules coordinated so we can have these kind of discussions, but it is always enlightening, and it and it really is so much fun for me to be interviewing an organization, a person from an organization that really. See banking differently. I mean, your efficiency ratios are are unparalleled. Um, the ability to, to do what you do with the number of employees you have, with the investment you have, but with the focus on not just efficiency, but really the effectiveness of building experiences for 300 million consumers. It's astounding. Thanks again, Henry. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, hopefully we will have uh, more to share us the next time we talk. Yes. Thanks for listening to Banking Transforms. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Please be sure to give our show a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to catch my articles on the financial brand and the research we're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Roe Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, keep exploring what leaders are doing to set your own bar even higher in business and in life. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.